Radio Rounds, the podcast series from St. Louis Children's Hospital. Here's Melanie Cole. According to the CDC, autism spectrum disorders now affect approximately 1 in 88 American children. However, it's important for clinicians to have a comprehensive assessment for intervention planning so that they may begin the next steps in the intervention process, including development and implementation of an intervention plan. My guest today is Dr. John Constantino. He's a Washington University pediatric psychiatrist at St. Louis Children's Hospital. Welcome to the show, Dr. Constantino. Speak about a comprehensive assessment that can help guide clinicians with intervention. What are some of the first steps? Well, ascertaining from the clinical observation of a child and family the basics of what are the relative contributions of autism-type symptoms, language difficulties or early language delays, potential cognitive disabilities, and certainly any hearing uh, or vision impairments are all elements of a solid early appraisal of a child that will help in the design of an intervention, a comprehensive intervention plan. And we talked a lot last time about differentiating autistic symptomatology from speech and language impairment and cognitive impairment and how relative contributions of each of those can affect any given child. The child may not be one or the other, but may but many children, most children, are probably an amalgam of deficiencies or, you know, hurdles in these different areas. And so designing an intervention plan, keeping in mind what those relative contributions are, is very important. When would you like to see assessment and interventions implemented with children? I mean, how young can these things begin? It's a great question. There's a conundrum in the field of autism right now because the research and scientific knowledge base regarding the impact of early interventions on the long-term outcomes of children affected by autism and related disorders is still unknown. And the conundrum is that unless we try to apply interventions as early as possible, we may not be realizing the optimal effects of those interventions. And yet, because we don't have a scientific base for universal recommendations for intervention in the first or second year of life for many of these children, very recently, and and a a major controversy in the field is that the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force could not recommend universal screening of 18-month-olds for autism spectrum disorders because we don't know that there's a real bang for the buck in outcome in implementing currently available interventions for those children. Now, I think most people who are in this field feel that there is an absurdity to that and that uh, most of us who are engaged in efforts to optimize intervention for children affected by autism would love to identify these children by the end of the first year of life, if possible. And it's becoming more and more possible for more and more children affected by autism to be uh, identified early, and the question is whether the implementation of very specific interventions earlier than children are usually, you know, availed to those interventions will have an even higher impact than what we can currently know on the basis of these sort of promising but still, as of yet, not fully understood impacts of early intervention. So based on your own experience, Dr. Constantino, do you feel that evidence-based practice and scientific research 
can lead to improved outcomes? And have you seen this in some of your patients? We definitely have seen this in our patients. And I think the, the goal now is to take interventions that are, as I said, very promising. So maybe I'll talk a little bit about what that kind of intervention looks like. And if, if the listeners keep in mind that oftentimes children do not get access to these interventions until late in the second year of life, often not until the third year of life, and very often not even until later in their preschool years. And, and some children never get early intervention. So what kind of, what does the intervention landscape look like? There, there are both parent-implemented and therapist-implemented strategies for improving the developmental outcome of a young child. And in the realm of autism, there are specific interventions that have been devised over very recently. Uh, I, I would say that, you know, most of these are, you know, fundamentally over the last 10 years that improve over the historic kind of usual application of speech therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy as the sort of go-to developmental therapies for children to add uh, several different types of focused intervention when autism is suspected. And what those look like fall under a number of uh, names that are given to specific branches of this work. Most of them depend on a, the principles of what's called applied behavior analysis, in which children are rewarded and conditioned to focus and respond in ways that don't necessarily come naturally to them or come naturally to their parents' promptings. And so the names of some of these interventions include the Early Start Denver model, in which therapists enhance the reward value of basic social engagements with children. There's another uh, overlapping type of therapy called, therapy called pivotal response training, in which the therapists are trying to recapitulate uh, very specific responses that they want children to make in the context of prompts by the environment or by the people around them. And another type of therapy that's focused on what's called joint attention, and that is designed to elicit a shared attention of a child, of a young child, with their caregiver or with the people around them, and very specifically focusing on that aspect of development, which is often missing in children with autism. And so when you put all of those kind of principles together, the, the kind of amalgam of all that is referred to as JASPER in some circles. So it includes joint attention, symbolic play, uh, high levels of engagement, and, and preventing dysregulation. So the, the acronym JASPER refers to joint attention, symbolic play, engagement, and regulation. And those are the elements that are really focused on now for comprehensive therapies for young children affected by autism. And if we can move those therapies as early in the life of these children as possible, if we can arm parents with the ability to help their children develop these fundamental skills, then we think that there is going to be a lot higher impact that's not necessarily apparent when many of these interventions are not even put on the table for a young child until they're three or four or five years of age. And Dr. Constantino, as a child transitions to adolescence, how important and what is the intervention? How does that change a little bit? And how important is community collaboration? Because now this child is out in the community, 
they're seeing their pediatrician, hopefully, for their well visits and maybe some specialists. But what is that community collaboration as they transition into adolescence? Sure. If we just took a look at the long view, when a young child is aging up, again, the first place that we try to implement intervention is to affect development, developmental therapies that are going to improve basic developmental capacities that are behind or delayed or deficient in the autism spectrum condition. One of the most important outcomes of all of this, and one of the things that predicts the outcome of all children with autism broadly, is the extent to which a child acquires the capacity for some functional version of language, of interpersonal communication, whether that's verbal language, sign language, augmentative communication, based use of devices to help to to communicate, which some children really benefit from, that language in, in any form is the name of the game. As they age up, assuming that they acquire a functional form of language that they can use to interact with the people around them, some of the things that shift during school age have to do with managing uh, difficulties with regulating behavior and with optimizing learning in the classroom setting, sometimes through the individualized education planning process that all public schools have as a federal entitlement to children who are uh, educated in public schools. So those become very important aspects of the care and support of a child with autism during school age. And then as they make that transition to adolescence and later school ages in high school and beyond, I think it's really important for all those who are caring for and supporting a child with autism to, to recognize that the transition to, adoles- to adolescence for all children is a time of identity formation and honoring what are the elements of a child's capacity to, to give of themselves, to contribute to the environment around them, that these are very important things to think about and understand and to help that child forge their own identity, their own sense of being able to make a contribution, their own sense of place in the community around them, because that is what all adolescents need to do to come to a peaceful transition to that stage of their life. And so I think the, the kind of take-home message there is that it's very important for people to, to think of these individual patients as children first and having autism second and not the other way around. And since all children need that kind of support for that particular striving for their own, the formation of their own identity, to pay, pay very careful attention to that as they make that transition. In summary, Dr. Constantino, please tell other pediatricians what you'd like them to know about assessing their patients on the spectrum, initiating the interventions, and when they should refer to a specialist. Well, I think any suspicion of autism warrants referral to a specialist, and the specialists who have particular training in this area are typically developmental pediatricians, child neurologists, and child psychiatrists who, who have practiced or focus on the care of children with autism spectrum disorders. I think that the application of developmental therapies as early and as intensively as possible in those preschool years is very important with the acquisition of developmental skills and particularly language as the primary end game for that kind of support. And then as they age up through the lifespan, keeping in mind what are the things that are going to optimize their learning, what are the things that are going to minimize both stigmatization and uh, problems with adaptation because of behavior problems, that all of which can be 
addressed in various ways that aren't even necessarily specific to autism, that are done for all children with, you know, other kinds of behavioral disabilities, and then making sure that as they age up into adolescence, that identity formation is something that is on everybody's mind that is trying to support and care for a young person aging up with autism. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Constantino. A physician can refer a patient by calling Children's Direct Physician Access Line at 1-800-678-HELP. That's 1-800-678-4357. You're listening to Radio Rounds with St. Louis Children's Hospital. For more information on resources available at St. Louis Children's Hospital, you can go to stlouischildrens.org. That's stlouischildrens.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.